As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Coming up, another blue weekend as villains prosper at the bridge. As Chelsea make their worst start to a season since 1978, we'll try and work out what's going wrong. We'll answer your questions, slash please, and look ahead to, oh God, Brighton. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic and always looking worse when you slow it down. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Well, it's another miserable Monday in the world of Chelsea Football Club, I'm afraid. But we're here, listener, to hold your hand and get you through it, hopefully. It's me, Matt, joined by two of the Athletics' finest. Simon Johnson's back with us. How are you doing, Simon? I feel like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. <laughs> Luke Boucher, you are of a generation that has only known success for Chelsea Football Club. How are you adapting to this brave new world? Um, it's been a challenge, Matt, I can't lie. Uh, but, you know, I think I'm slowly getting there, slowly uh, embracing the mediocrity. All right. Well, look, it's going to be all the sweeter when Chelsea get back to winning ways. Damien's tweeted at SO Cobham Pod to challenge us thusly. Make a compelling argument that the 22-23 season actually ended. I mean, <laughs> I guess the fact there's a different manager, Simon, would give us a clue and a whole new bunch of players. But yeah, it's um, it's meet the new season, same as the old season. Yeah, the, the the end of season DVD is still rolling. <laughs> there is no sorry, I can't. Next question. <laughs> uh, right, Chelsea got one more game in September to try and get themselves a goal, which they haven't managed so far. We thought the visit of a tired Aston Villa might be just the tonic for the Blues. Uh, it was not. And on review, the referee's decision is to cancel the yellow, and he is going to send Malo Gusto off. Oh, so Chelsea are down to 10 men, steered away by McGinn, and then a loose touch breaks for Diaby. Diaby looking to sprint away from Thiago Silva, finds Watkins, Watkins one-on-one -on -one against Colwell, up towards the edge of the area, Watkins shot, blocked by Colwell, comes back, and in, off the post, Ollie Watkins with his first Premier League goal of the season, and Villa break down the 10 men of Chelsea. I think we are um, confident in the way that we perform, only we are missing a score. That is why we need to keep, never give up and keep working because I think that we, we will change in the, in the way that we are working. 
Chelsea nil, Aston Villa won. Then Malo Gusto sent off. Chances missed. Players off the pace. It was not fun. Uh, per the Athletics Monday briefing, Chelsea have collected 49 points from 44 games since the start of last season and just 25 in 2023. Here's what Simon thought at full time. I'm tempted to start singing. You know the old cheesy, it was the 90s hit, wasn't it? Things Can Only Get Better by D-Ream. Pochettino's gone over right now. Uh, it's 1-0, by the way. That's the Villa win, obviously. Pochettino's just gone over to shake the hands of the match officials. Just had booze from the, uh, the Chelsea fans. Um, it's a very empty, half-empty Stamford Bridge with the whistle only just gone. Resignation. Heads are down of the Chelsea players. Um, it's it's not good, is it? It's not good. One win in six. But I think it's almost becoming laughable. Comedy. Just the new ways that Chelsea are, are finding to... Um, a familiar script, but a new sort of plot during the match to just give it an extra bit of uh, chilli. The quality of Nicholas Jackson knowing full well he's on four yellow cards and getting a stupid fifth yellow card, so he's got a one-game ban. That's the sound of the, the fans, uh, a few fans booing the officials. Uh, they weren't particularly happy with Gillette's performance. They seem to ignore all the uh, added time. Time-wasting going on, rather, that Aston Villa did, right until the end. Oh, Sterling's got his head in his hands as he's walking off in front of me. More Villa fans celebrating with their, their players in front of them. The scary thing is, right, is that it was Aston Villa that had the midweek European game. It, it should have been playing to Chelsea's favour, and yet it's more the same. Um, Aston Villa took their chance, Chelsea missed theirs, and as I was saying, Nicholas Jackson earned the ban. Just though, I felt a bit sorry for him with his red card. He, he won the ball, the ball's, his foot then rolled over the top of the ball into Dinya, and um, it ended up being a red card via the monitor. But um, yeah, I, I'm sort of running out of things of what to say about Chelsea really these days. I'm sure everyone listening feels the same because it feels like I've been watching the same old thing for over a year now. Thiago Silva is going to be the last Chelsea player to leave the pitch. Question marks over during the week over whether it's time for him to be left out the side. Well. I'm not sure they can afford to leave him out the side because watching him, he was the only one that was really communicating constantly to the teammates, telling players where to go, where to stand, geeing players on, telling them where to make runs. You take him out of his team, I'm not sure what character is left. It's a sorry state. Anyway, on the plus side, Chelsea have a whole week, a whole week off from this misery. Uh, don't play Fulham until next Monday. I'm just looking at the league table and just seeing if, uh, well, who knows, maybe a chance that uh, the gap to the bottom three will be even uh, smaller by then. I suppose, there you go, here's the one positive, that surely there are at least three teams worse than Chelsea this season, so they won't get relegated, but that's about it. Anyway, onwards and upwards, I'm going to now... Uh, hand it over to Matt, where I'll add more upbeat commentary uh, during the pod itself. But um, yeah, I think the one thing you can say to his fans is, uh, if you like Gallo's humour, there's plenty to laugh at.
Okay, so you're going to hand it over to me for some more upbeat commentary. Um, we'll get that in a minute. First of all, though, Simon, I need you to acknowledge that Chelsea do not have the whole week off. They do from Premier League action, but they are back in the League Cup on Brighton. And that's where things are going to turn around, I would presume. Hmm, hope, maybe. Here's Freddie pleading. Anything you guys can suggest that would quickly snap the club out of this malaise? It doesn't feel like there's a better manager available for a project like this. We've already tried spending the money. We scoff at trust the process. But is there any other option um, Luke, Freddie's right, isn't he? We, we've just got to ride this out. We can't be talking about changing managers or signing 15 players in January. This is what we've got. We've got to try and turn it around as is. No, I think you're right, Matt. It's, uh, you know, I sound like a broken record, but it's just you have to trust the process a little bit. And sometimes you would say in a situation like this, you need a cup run to sort of G up the fans a bit, get a couple of wins under your belt. But, you know, the Wimbledon game wasn't, great by any standards and Brighton I think you know if you look at the Chelsea squad that's available you're just hoping to not get battered really by a team that is is by far and away better at the moment and I think it's such a strange one it feels like you know Chelsea is still very much getting used to not being good week in week out and you look at the squad and you almost compare it to you know American sports I know I know Sai's a, a long-suffering fan of the New York Jets <laughs> I'm off bye <laughs> sometimes you just have those seasons in you know if you're an NFL or an NBA fan where you know your team is going to be average to bad and you just kind of have to accept that and it it feels like Chelsea have you know hit the hard reset over summer and they've almost got you know all these draft picks and they're thinking yeah we're going to create this young hungry team but you know the problem with that is that they need time to gel, adapt, and and get up to the level. And I think you know we're we're still very much in that that bedding in phase for a lot of these players. Yeah, a bit of perspective here from Malachi, who says, given the overhaul from top to bottom at the club and the number of injuries, can anyone really be surprised by this? The club only signed future potential talent. Patience is key. I wonder if you spend one billion pounds and that's actually possible in today's game. We don't want to keep leaning on on the crutch as some players are literally doing, of injuries, Simon. But, I mean, that that is a legitimate excuse for what's going on at the moment, isn't it? Are things going to clear up when people come back? Is, is Benoit Badia-Shield the, the answer to all Chelsea's problems in defence? Well, first and foremost, thank you for flagging my silly mistake on my voice note. I think I was thinking of myself that I have a full week off, <laughs> so I'm not doing the Brighton game. Um, yeah, that was very dopey of me, wasn't it? All I can say is, is that in the summary of another witnessing another disappointing display, my my brain once again let me down. Well, your brain is going to come to the fore later on when we talk about this match and specifically one element of it and what you said in the pre-match press conference. So don't be so hard on yourself yet. I'm failing like the players to hit the target. Um, sorry, what was the question again? Um, Patience is the key. I'm not any. Yeah. It's one of those things that's easy to preach, isn't it? And quite difficult to put into practice. Yeah. I mean, I think using the excuse of injuries can only excuse so much, can't it? I mean, yes, they're without players, but the statistics that every game that follows every game, every poor, poor result, there's no excuse for that. You know, you, you can, you can say, yeah, we're missing this player, that player. There's no excuse for playing with 10 men, being caught losing the ball high up the pitch 
being broken on very much like the Nottingham Forest game, a silly mistake of your own making and a shot going under the goal, well, through the goalkeeper's legs or under the goalkeeper. I feel for Robert Sanchez because actually he was one of Chelsea's best players on, on Sunday. But when it mattered, I'd say that was a bit of a ricket, to be honest. I don't think he should be beaten from there. And then, of course, there's no excuse for the inability to put the ball in the back of the net when you're basically just you and the goalkeeper. I mean, it's incredible. It's just like it's happened every single week. I'm wondering if if there's some kind of, you know, there was that social media meme that went out there about the size of the goal that it needed to be for Nicholas Jackson's shot to go in at Bournemouth. I'm actually wondering whether for confidence... Pochettino should get sort of like a stupidly sized goal and just get the players to fire into it, just to get that feeling of what the back of the net feels like. Because it's almost like the opposition goalkeeper is a magnet. It's like the Death Star and the Millennium Falcon. It's it's just it's just getting sucked, sucked towards them. I'm trying any other analogies, Luke? Can you come up with the uh... <laughs> Does that make Emmy Martinez Darth Vader in this scenario? Well, he certainly was when he disgracefully made sure that Nicholas Jackson got a 50 yellow card <laughs> and all that time wasting by Aston Villa and I was thinking of a hilarious way to to mock referee Gerard Gillette or however you pronounce his name and I was thinking is that the best a man can get kind of cheesy pun yeah I did that one on Twitter yesterday uh, I'm, I'm assuming you haven't stole it from me you just haven't turned notifications on for my tweets which is a bit of a disappointment no I've muted you a long time ago right, uh, okay that's <laughs> since, fair yeah. since, since the forest result no, uh, <laughs> no how did you phrase yours because I never really quite gave it the polish it needed the Mr Sheep no nor did I I just went Gillette not the best a man can get I mean his name's it, actually yeah. pronounced Gillette so it doesn't really work but um T Fonts did reply to me saying Gillette is best a man you forget, which I think is probably as good as we're going to go. But yeah, he wasn't very good, but I, I don't think we can put all the blame on him. Let's get to the team selection and that kind of thing. So there's one change from the Bournemouth game. Caicedo back fit comes in for Ugachukwu. A couple of people, Luke, including Andrew, who was quite vociferous in this, criticising Thiago Silva. Another silver mistake, costing us a goal. While those who don't watch us every week call a 40-year-old who can barely move the best defender at the club and ignore how it's impacting Colwell and Chilwell. I think it's it's the two-pronged thing, isn't it, Luke, really, that Silva's obviously going to come in for criticism when he makes a mistake because of his age. But the fact that we keep seeing Levi Colwell at left-back rather than Ben Chilwell seems to be really grinding people's gears. Can you offer an explanation as to why Poch is sticking with this? And and people asking, you know, why did he make Chilwell the, the second captain if he's going to leave him on the bench all the time? Well, I mean, not to be too confrontational, but I don't necessarily agree with the uh, the sentiment of the question. I, d- I do think that Thiago Silva is the best centre-back in the club. And, I you know, I'd be surprised if that changes this season given how Chelsea are performing at the minute. And I agree with what Sai said in his voice now. I think even if his performances have slightly dipped from last year, and maybe that's because he's playing in a back two more often, his leadership, I think, is, you know, it's unparalleled in the Chelsea squad and it's it's so essential. And, you know, in terms of Chilwell not playing, I think, you know, for me, I look at it, maybe it's because Chelsea, other than the back line, are quite a small team. And, you know, playing Colwell at left-back, allows you to have, you know, an extra big body in the box for attacking and defensive set pieces. And maybe, you know, I think <laughs> the Gusto red card is it will allow, I think, Chilwell to come back into the team because, 
you know, there's not there's not really any other options for Chelsea other than to shift Dzassi over to to right back, probably play Colwell and Silver at centre back, and then Chilwell comes back in at left back. So we will probably see that starting at Fulham. I'd be surprised, you know, we'll get into the Brighton game in a bit, but I'd be surprised if Silver plays in that, leaving, you know, spots open in defence. But yeah, I I don't agree that, you know, his his mistake has directly cost us a goal. I think, you know, it was a bouncing ball, poor error, but I think Chelsea have been unlucky in two instances with the Colwell block going straight back to Watkins. And then, you know, the XG on that shot. Yeah, Sanchez coming under a bit of flack for getting nutmegged, but it's basically like, the only place where Watkins could have placed it. And he's he's struck the ball incredibly well. If he hadn't hit it quite as well, you know, Sanchez probably closes his legs in time and it goes out for a corner. It's just one of those things. Mm, yeah, if Chelsea had a finisher like uh, Ollie Watkins, maybe they wouldn't be in the position they are. Uh, Simon, I know you're you're along the same lines of thinking as Luke Retiago Silva, we heard in, in your voice now about his organisation. Bell Silva says, I never thought it was going to be easy, but seriously, it's way more difficult than I suspected. Hashtag come on Chelsea. I think she's kind of speaking for everybody there, Mrs. Silva. Uh, let's talk about the sending off of Malo Gusto, Simon. Coldplay lyrics, Lucy. Oh, okay. Nobody said it was easy. Yeah, very good. I get it. Yeah. Is Bell Silva a Coldplay fan? We'll, we'll try and do a long read on that at some point, possibly. Uh, the sending off. Anyway, Simon, interesting one, this, because it kind of divided opinion in the stadium amongst the press pack and, and as commentators, I think. There were people saying, well, 10 years ago, that kind of tackle gets a round of applause and, and other people saying, yeah, it's a definite red. I thought it was incredibly harsh and probably didn't meet the high bar we're supposed to have for VAR to overturn clear and obvious errors. Do, do you think that, that Gusto was was unlucky or should he have known better and it was a kind of unnecessary area of the pitch to even make that kind of tackle? I think he was unlucky in the sense of just the tackle itself. He was going for the ball and in the process of, of going for the ball, his foot rolled over the top of the ball and then it obviously made contact on Dinia's sort of ankle area. And in this day and age, at the time, watching it live, I was kind of like, yeah, all good bit confused when it went to VAR but then I understood why it went to VAR and that's not that I'm defending the red I'm just thinking this is unfortunately the new high bar about that they've set about being in control of the tackle it's not just winning the ball now it's what happens afterwards as well and the moment that it appeared that VAR had freeze-framed the contact and that was the first image that that Gillette saw when he ran over to the monitor, I just went, well, this is a done deal then, isn't it? <laughs> you already decided. If that's the first image, you're, you're... And when you slow it down and it doesn't look good, but watching it live, I don't think it was a... You didn't automatically think it was a red card. I think the frustration would be, once again, is consistency, isn't it? Is that when you see a far worse tackle in the North London derby and then catches nowhere near the ball and he, and he could you know that could have been a really nasty injury that he caused there and he only gets a yellow and VAR doesn't intervene that's when understandably supporters will watch that having got home seen the highlights or whatever that is if they could stomach watching football after getting home from Stamford Bridge that's when you, you get even more frustrated isn't it is when you sort of think well hang on that was a lot lot worse and yet Enketia is, is fine to play on 
for the next few games, whereas Gusto's going to be watching from the sidelines. But um, I felt for him, I don't think there was any malicious intent. Dinia certainly made a very nice, convenient, loud scream. Wasn't the first time that Dinia went down trying to get a player in trouble. But Aston Villa was smart. You know, they're playing smart football as well as good football at the moment. And maybe that uh, Gusto will know uh, better next time, perhaps not to lunge in quite so ferociously. But I do have sympathy for him. What did you make of it, Luke? Yeah, I kind of agree with with Sai's point that, you know, whatever you think about whether that should be a red or not in this day and age and, you know, whether the game's gone, et cetera, et cetera, that I think if you look at the letter of the law, there's nothing about intent or going for the ball or even getting the ball when, you you know, you read up on what is worthy of a red card and it is all about the control. And as soon as I saw a slow motion replay, I thought he's in trouble here. And, and then, you know, Jared Gillett goes to the, the monitor and we all know that when referees go to the monitor 99% of the time, it's because they're going to change their decision. And I think for me, I, I didn't have as many complaints about it as I think a lot of people on Twitter did. I thought if that had happened to a Chelsea player, I felt like we'd have all been baying for a red card because it was an incredibly pivotal point in the match. Still nil-nil, tightly contested, Chelsea definitely on top. So yeah, I mean, the game obviously, you know, it's not a excuse but it is a sort of mitigating factor as to why Chelsea lost I think yeah and if we're, we're even handed that you know the referee didn't just make poor decisions regarding Chelsea there was a moment when Villa were through one-on-one and, and rather than play the advantage he he pulled it back for a free kick and played 90 seconds fewer than the minutes that were scheduled at the end of the first half it was all a little bit strange um just on Simon's point about watching other football as a palate cleanser when you get home. I did that with the Madrid derby last night and I watched Saul get two assists and Alvaro Morata score. So it actually didn't cleanse my palate all that much. So Alvaro Morata scored. Nicholas Jackson didn't. He did get a yellow card though. This is what Simon's written about on The Athletic, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod. The place to go to sign up to read it if you aren't currently a subscriber. It's only a pound a month for 12 months. Jackson then will serve his one match ban against Fulham on Monday, <laughs> you asked Maurizio Pochettino, Simon, about the possibility of this in the press conference on Friday. Oh, how we laughed. Let's hear that now, shall we? Nicholas Jackson, four yellow cards, one yellow away from a ban. Have you, have you had a word with him? Because I think they've all been the descent and you clearly can't afford to be losing him. I told today, we were talking about that but today because... We were in a meeting with him and also Enzo. I think, come on, uh, a striker for yellow card to protest, no, to to talk with the only for talk for the for the referee. I think you need to get some uh, yellow card because in different action, but not because of that. It's so easy, so cheap, you know, yellow cards. And I think it's going to uh, to put in a very difficult situation to to the team. But he understood. Ah, it's all about to adapt himself, and he's clever, and he for sure he he will adapt. Hope that Sunday not get. <laughs> we are talking about that he's clever, and then <laughs> first action yellow card. <laughs> Hope for different reason. Eh? Uh, not so funny after the match, though. Here's Poch again. He's not angry. He's just disappointed. I think he need to learn, and he's going to learn because he's still young. And this type of yellow card always are so cheaper. And I think it's yes, this, that like a coach, you are disappointed, and for sure he is disappointed also. 
He'll be seething, actually, won't he, Simon? I mean, I'm sure he was aware of it before you flagged it, albeit, you know, I'm sure he appreciated you just reiterating the point. But it was such a daft yellow card. Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, talking about dark hearts, I mean, Martinez knew what he was doing as well. I think he knew full well. If he kicks the ball against Jackson, I think he knew. He knew. And and that would rattle Jackson, knowing that he picked up a fifth yellow. But it was obviously asked post-match about it. Then I piped up and sort of said, given what I asked you on Fridays, it's even more frustrating. Noticeably, he didn't go in two foot. He didn't go in Malo Gusto on, on uh, Jackson. <laughs> I'm sure he did behind the scenes. He must have been going crazy because... It was just so naive and just so unnecessary. And just the timing couldn't be much worse. It's, I know Broya came off the bench, but it's just the last thing. And this is kind of the point I was trying to make in my in my match piece was that this is the last thing he needs. It's sort of like, oh, here's another couple of positions I have to worry about when I've got nine players out injured already. And yeah, Jackson's form is is dipping alarmingly and his confidence is is evaporating in front of our eyes. And I don't think this incident will have helped him. Uh, Luke, you've written on The Athletic this morning about Maurizio Pochettino talking about the need for his side to to grow up. But uh, that's a, one of those things that's quite easy to say and quite difficult to put into practice, right, given the age of this squad. I guess what it does mean is is that there's even more responsibility on the shoulders of the likes of Thiago Silva and Raheem Sterling, who, who had another fairly difficult afternoon. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, the papers have gone with that quote in the sort of, you know, in-betweeners kind of meme sense of it. But I think Pochettino meant it in a much more gentle way in terms of, as you said, Matt, they need to grow up together in, in terms of the fact that they need to learn, make these mistakes, maybe not quite as many mistakes, and then, you know, develop as footballers and develop as a team. But it is quite hard when, you know, the average age of the squad is is so young. You know, you're looking at someone like Robert Sanchez, who come into the team, he's 25, he's, he's one of the more senior players in the starting eleven, And yeah, Sterling, I think, is a very, very difficult one because he is a very, he can be a very divisive figure because he's had two great games or a few great games at the start of the season, particularly against Luton. But since then, his form's kind of tailed off a little bit. And, you know, when I watched him at City, was, no doubt he's a fantastic player, great player. You don't start regularly under Pep Guardiola if you're not a very, very good footballer. But is he you know, the guy, is he going to take games by the scruff of the neck? I'm not entirely sure that he did. I know he, he would want to do that at Chelsea and he's, you know, taking on a more of a leadership role on and off the pitch, but I'm not convinced that the way he plays football is suited to kind of being the role model for some of these younger players at, at times because he can kind of flit in and out of games, you know, multiple games. So it is a tricky one. And I think, you know, to go back to what we were talking about earlier in the pod, it is just about patience and and hoping that some of these younger players, you know, maybe it'll be Noni Madueke, maybe it'll be Cole Palmer, maybe it'll be Mikhailo Madrid, who I think had a pretty good afternoon uh, before he was taken off, develop into these sort of game-changing, this-is-going-to-be-my-game type footballers who, who can win a game for Chelsea, which they don't have really at the moment. Uh, let's end the Villa chat with a bit of positivity. You alluded to Breuer, Simon. Really good to see him 
coming back uh, against Aston Villa, ironically, the team that, that he got injured against. We have to sort of handle him with kid gloves, I guess, over the next couple of weeks. But I thought Cole Palmer had a, a really promising cameo as well. It was that great pass he put through for the Chilwell chance, wasn't they? That's something that we can cling on to, possibly. Palmer, Madueke, as Luke says, these players who haven't featured much, you might be able to come in and, and add something once they're up to speed. Yeah, I, I think it's about time Palmer got a start. You know, why, why else have they bought him? I think they they need they need some more creativity in that final third. Although, again, Chelsea had enough one on ones to to certainly score a goal. But I just think he he did eject something when he came off the bench. Um, Bro, it, it is a feel good story, even though it's kind of lost uh, amid the, the the disappointment. Obviously, it's great. You know, he's he's had such a tough road um nine months is an extraordinary amount of time to to not play and of course before that was the was the world cup break as well so it's so it's even longer uh when you actually think about it what people need to sort of just remember though is that he's not the answer he's not the solution he's not going to suddenly wave a magic wand don't expect him to suddenly come in and, and bail chelsea out of this mess it's going to take a lot more than Armando Broya sort of working his way back to match fitness to fix this uh, this Chelsea malaise. Mm, okay, well, Chelsea have got one more chance to score a goal in September. Brightner at the bridge on Wednesday. We'll have a look ahead to that next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So Chelsea welcoming feeder club Brighton and Hove Albion to West London on Wednesday night in the Carabao Cup. I've asked Simon and Luke to have a go at picking a team. I've done the same. I've got to say it was bloody hard. So <laughs> bear with us, listener. This might be a little bit random. Let's go position by position. Who you got in goal, Luke? Uh, I think although Robert Sanchez has done a lot better than I expected, I think you know all Chelsea fans would like to see Georgi Petrovic uh, given a go from the off, and I think this is a, a good opportunity for him to make his debut. Yeah, I've got the same. Simon, how about you? Snap next. <laughs> you need to see him at some point, don't you? And yeah. Maybe this is the game to do it. Uh, are you going with a four or a three at the back, Simon? I've gone four. I'm going strong. Well, strong, inverted commas. <laughs> do Chelsea do strong anymore? I'm not <laughs> sure. So as uh, Luke's uh, spoiler alert, Disassi has to play. I, I couldn't think of anyone else that could play. right. And I, I don't think Chelsea can mess about with trying out youngsters and all that kind of thing. It's a must-win game for so many reasons. I've kept Silver in for that reason, but also because basically he started running out of numbers, to be fair. There's not exactly many other options. Silver, Colwell, Chilwell is my back four. Okay, I've got one difference to that, which is Gilchrist 
for silver, but I'm not particularly convinced about that. Are you going four at the back as well, Luke? Yeah, I've got the same as you, Matt, on paper, but that does kind of depend on the fitness of other players further up the pitch. And I do have a, a another right-back option in mind, but it's it's not a good one. <laughs> is it Raheem Sterling like we saw no, at Brighton last season? That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it is. It's not Sterling uh, reprising his fullback role. It, it would be um, playing Ian Martson at right back. Okay. Well, he's played everywhere else but left back. Yeah. You get it a lot the other way, playing right footed right backs at left back when you have an injury crisis. And Chelsea are, are blessed with three, or blessed with three left footed left backs. So, you know, surely one of them can do a job on the other side. All right, I like it. You go in two holding midfielders, Simon. Yeah, I've gone uh, Casado Yuguchukwu with Enzo again. As I said, sort of further up ahead of them. Again, as I said, going strong for for a must win game. Even though part of me sort of thought mm, perhaps Enzo needs a rest. He's had, he's had two underwhelming games in a row. But then, as I said, I'm sort of thinking, well, Fulham is on Monday. They've got time to recover. They've got an extra day to recover. So, yeah, get him in the team. Okay, I went Kaiseido Ugachukwu as well as the two. I think Ugachukwu's looked really good whenever he's played. And I actually thought on Sunday we saw some examples of what Kaiseido can do for Chelsea in terms of winning the ball back. Are they the two you've gone for as well, Luke? Yeah, that's the that's the pairing I've gone for, Matt. I mean, we should just be in charge, right? Because we're absolutely nailing this at the moment. Uh, you got three in front of them. Luke, are you having Enzo in as well? No, I'm not got Enzo in. Uh, and this is where I kind of said it depends on, on the fitness of, of other players. I think if Nonny Madueke is fit, I think he should play. Pochettino kind of alluded to the fact that he might return against Villa, but then he didn't make the squad. So assuming Madueke is not fit because he didn't even make the bench, I've gone with Palmer, Ian Martin as a number 10 and Mudrick. Okay, I went Madueke, Mudrick, Palmer. How about you, Simon? My other two are Palmer and Mudrick. All right. There's a lot of consensus here. Uh, I think this might end now, though, because I've got David Washington starting up front um, just to give Jackson a bit of a breather. Uh, Simon, I guess there's an argument to say you put Jackson in to try and get him some confidence and because he's not going to be available against Fulham. Is that what you've gone for? Or are, you, are you going rogue and having Breuer start? Breuer start. <laughs> With uh, Fulham in mind. So I'm, I'm thinking... They play Broya for 50 minutes, an hour. Just get some more match. So this is where perhaps you know, some of what I'm saying about, oh, got to go strong, etc. This is where the, my only sort of concession is a little bit because you have to think of Fulham. You have to sort of think, well, who's going to start up top against Fulham? Yes, Pochettino may sort of go false nine direction. We saw briefly the, the start of Raheem Sterling leading the line before Broya came on on Sunday, but no, I, I'd rather have a, a sort of an out-and-out centre-forward leading the line against Fulham. So, yes, this is where I am thinking of the two games in one, and I think Brody needs some minutes in his legs if he's going to play, say, 70 minutes against Fulham. So, yeah, I've gone Brody up top. Luke, I'm feeling like I'm about to be disappointed uh, by your choice because it's going to mean that we're not going to mention Leo Castledine when picking a Carabao Cup eleven, which is kind of the whole purpose of this thing. Are you, are you going Breuer as well? Yeah, sorry to disappoint you, Matt. I, I've gone Breuer as well for much the same reasons as Sai. He got a decent 20 minutes, I think, when you factor in the added time against Villa. But yeah, I mean, with Fulham in mind, he needs he needs max fitness, minutes in his legs, etc. And maybe, yeah, it's 45 minutes, an hour. 
uh, against Brighton, and then you can bring Jackson on or Washington if you like that. Okay, thanks. Um, Simon, do you think we'll see a load of young players on the bench and then them not come on like we did against Wimbledon? Is that just the way it's got to be because of injuries at the moment? A few. I, I don't think it's going to be Bournemouth-esque because, again, I, I think Pochettino knows how big this game is for so many reasons. You, know, you can can have asked for more, you know, the, the worst kind of team to come to Chelsea at this point in time. You know, this this mini rivalry that, that's being built. You can imagine the noise Brighton fans are going to be making in the away end. So I think he's got to have a strong bench as well. He can't have token kids there to make up the numbers, you know, injuries permitting, etc. of course. I think Washington will be on the bench. I mean, we'll, we'll get a big, big clue, of course, the under-21s playing in the EFL Trophy on Tuesday night, but I, I don't think Washington would be involved. I think, um, as we saw, he was on the bench on Sunday. I'm sure he'll be on the bench again. And he, he looked like um, I'm sure we we're going to touch on this later, but um, he, he looked like he had a good game at Man City. So there's there's something to be positive about. You know, there, there's a a new signing. It's come from Brazil. He's actually making an impact more than uh, Andre Santos is at your club, Matt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't talk about the lone army much, but Andre Santos not in the Forest squad at the weekend. Cesare Casaday really struggling for game time at the moment for Leicester. Getting a lot of stick from their fans too. Uh, neither of them are going to be involved on Wednesday night. We shall see who shall be. I said Chelsea put out a young bench against Wimbledon. I just looked at it and that is absolute nonsense. Samuel Smith was on there and, and Bergstrom, the third keeper. But other than that, it was pretty strong. It was Bournemouth, wasn't it, that all the kids were on the bench? Yeah, if you remember, Pochettino spoke, pre-match giving it the the big up going yeah i'm going to play four to pick 45 16 to 17 year olds on the bench and then we saw the bench went what (laughs) absolute nonsense but uh yes i don't think that went down very well either by the way i think there were quite a few noses put out of joint especially as there were some other academy players that have been playing for the academy for quite a while that weren't even looked at. And was that because, as you, you mentioned earlier about this week's game, was that because there was an EFL trophy game in that week? Was that a factor in that? Or did he just pick a bunch of random players and say, well, they can be in the squad? Possibly, but I think that the fact that the players that were around the senior squad, because there were a few players, weren't there, that weren't on the bench, but they were there. They'd sort of been involved, but they were basically new, the newer signings they, they they weren't guys that have come through the academy and played for years that they're the ones that have joined in the last summer or two and yeah i think that uh, raised a few eyebrows in some circles all right uh shout for ronnie stutter as well just because it gives us a chance to say ronnie stutter which is always good fun um luke chelsea haven't beaten brighton at home since 2019 i mean the thing that, and I'm loath to say this because we said, oh, it plays into Chelsea's favour that Aston Villa played on Thursday night, but it's got to be the very lowest of the priorities for Brighton this competition this season, right? So surely it's going to be a heavily rotated team from them, you know, which means that, I don't know, Billy Gilmore might not get the chance to score at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, you say that, Matt, but then I was looking at the Brighton squad and it's, yeah, it's still really deep. I know they've got injuries, Gross um, and Milner are out until the next international break, but they've still got, you know, a lot of very, very good players. You know, even if you look at their, their front line, you know, they've got Welbeck, Ferguson, Shal Pedro, Solly March, Adingra, Fatty, Mitoma, 
I mean, it's just like <laughs> Chelsea would kill for that kind of depth. And, you know, they've paid hundreds of millions for that kind of depth and, and it hasn't transpired. And I think the thing Deserby that has done quite well, I think, throughout his Brighton career, because obviously they've only had Europe this year. But if you think about the back end of last season, Brighton were the team that had loads of fixtures piling up. So in the last few months, they were actually playing, you know, every every three or four days. And he's rotated the squad fantastically, managing to keep players happy. And I know they lost to AEK Athens midweek, but you know it's it's a it's remains a happy squad, and they beat Bournemouth pretty comfortably. And I think momentum can be such a factor, even when you know, as you say, I imagine the Carabao Cup is the lowest of their priorities of the four competitions that they'll play in this year. So I, I just think whoever plays for Brighton, they will be buoyed by the fact that they're playing for an exciting you know, innovative coach in an innovative setup. And I, I think that's, you know, very, very dangerous for Chelsea. Yeah, and Chelsea short on right backs. Tarek Lamptey might well start back to fitness, looking pretty good too. Um, Simon, dare I ask you for a prediction? Well, they're going to lose, aren't they? <laughs> they're not going to score. <laughs> what I would say is, is that just to add to Luke's point, the League Cup may be Brighton's lowest priority, but beating Chelsea will be a top priority. They'll love it. They'll love they'll love to rob more salt in the wounds. The team talk has kind of been done. You know, I, I don't know why Brighton is so offended by Chelsea giving them hundreds of millions of pounds for them to be worse. But they are. They do seem to have a real chip on their shoulder about Chelsea and, and, and losing all these players stroke personnel to them, even though they've been well compensated for it but then if you're Brighton you'll use and if you're Deserby you'll use anything to motivate your players even if it is a much changed team and I'm expecting a very strong performance from Brighton and I'm hoping that as much as I big them up that my jinx factor is going to kick in and help Chelsea because usually when I say one thing the opposite happens so Maybe this is the, the last trick I can play to, to help Chelsea get a win. But I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking Chelsea crisis will continue, unfortunately. What do you reckon, Luke? Get 10 behind the ball, play for a nil-nil and then take it straight to pens? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Sai. It's going to be really, really tricky. I, I can't see Chelsea winning this game through anything other than a miracle. You know, you're talking about the Spurs team, stomach bug kind of thing from a few years ago and that leads Brighton to playing all their kids. But it's so it's so predictable is that, that Brighton, I think, you know, just looking at it now, they haven't kept a clean sheet in any competition yet this season. So, you know, if you're a statistician or a betting man, you're thinking, well, you know, surely Chelsea are going to get a goal. But, you know, Chelsea scoring, that'd be, that'd be quite something. So, I mean, I'd, if I had to do a scoreline, I'd, I'd probably say 2-1 just because... I think Brighton have looked shaky at the back and, you know, they've conceded some some quite sloppy goals that we didn't see last year. But if, you know, Chelsea scoring would be, that's the real quiz. <laughs> it reminds me of something I said to whoever was unfortunate enough to be near me at the time. And this is before the game. I sort of suddenly realised that Aston Villa conceded goals to plenty away from home. And I remember saying, well, perfect opposition to face next to improve that statistic. And, um, Sadly, so it proved. So, um, so yeah, Brighton will be thinking, yeah, this is a chance to to get a much needed clean sheet. Oh dear! All right. Well, look, whatever happens on Wednesday, we'll break it down in our Thursday pod.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, a win for the under-21s and at Manchester City, no less. Mark Robinson's team earning a notable scalp on Friday night. They beat City 2-1 at the Academy Stadium. Came from behind to do it too. Uh, David Washington, as uh, Simon mentioned earlier, had a good game. He restored parity before a brilliant solo goal from Josh Brooking won it in the 87th minute. It means the Young Blues are eighth in the PL2 table, which has got about 50 teams in it this season. Uh, that's after five games. They're three points off the top. The Dev Squad play their second game of their EFL trophy campaign on Tuesday. They go to Northampton Town. Cobblers? Nope, it's the truth. Uh, how about this from the under-18s? They went and won 6-3 at Norwich. Danelle McNeely and Tyreek George both bag braces in that one. You see there's goals at Chelsea. We just need to have these players develop into first teamers and, and that'll happen within the next five years or so, I'm sure. So just sit tight until then and um, yeah, suffer a bit more. Uh, we're just about done for today. As I say, Thursday, we're going to react to Brighton. We'll preview Fulham and more joyously look ahead to the return of the WSL. So Simon, you got a week off, have you? Only from watching Chelsea in the flesh. I, I don't literally have a week off, although I feel like taking one. I'm sure the listeners hope I take a week off too, and then I might come back sounding a bit more chipper. Yeah, if listeners have got any ideas of what else we can talk about on the pod, you know, I'm sure you want a break from the misery as much as we do. So, yeah, send your suggestions in. <laughs> if you want us to do a look back on on when Chelsea were good. Funny enough, here we go. Here's a little uh, little reminder when Chelsea were good that I had at the, at the weekend when uh, I'd been ordered to do some, uh, I don't think you can call uh, spring cleaning in September, can you? But basically, I was, I was, I've been ordered, instructed by the powers that be in my household to uh, sort out some mess. And I came across, would you believe, I did, did uh, exit out or tweet it out. I came across the Bayern Munich program and the team sheet and the the statistical fact sheet that UEFA handed out post match, and it I must admit, you sort of it felt even longer ago than eleven years, I have to say. <laughs> but yeah, maybe we should talk. Maybe we should do an episode where we just we just look back on something positive rather than the actual game we've just seen. Yeah, it's not a bad chat. We'll go big on the women's team as well. Uh, elsewhere yes. on The Athletic, uh, Liam's got a piece up about Harry Kane's supposed buyback clause and why that will be immaterial. Uh, Luke, you on you on Newswatch for the rest of the week? Yep, yep, Matt. There's, uh, you know, the news keeps on coming. Um, hopefully, you don't have to report on any more Chelsea injury news. That's the big fingers crossed for the week. Mm-hmm. We can get through Brighton unscathed. 
Yeah, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod then. The place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. It's only a pound a month for the first 12 months. You can follow us on Twitter slash X at SO Cobham pod. If you want to leave us a nice review on iTunes or Spotify as well, that would help us immensely and allow other Chelsea fans to find the pod too. Uh, We shall be back on Thursday, whatever the score. We're going to keep on going throughout the season, trying to raise spirits or at least give you somebody else to share the pity with. Uh, thanks to Simon, to Luke, to Lucy for their company today. Thanks to everybody who got in touch as well. Sorry if we didn't manage to get to your tweets. We do read them all and appreciate them. We'll be back on Thursday. Have a good week. Bye for now. The Athletic.